Welcome to Long Live the Music, a podcast from It's All Dead, made by music fans for music fans. I'm Kyle Hawk. Welcome to Long Live the Music. I'm Kyle Hawk. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. So glad to have you. Uh, I was. Uh, I'm joined by um, our good pal. It's All Deadian Nadia Alves uh, tonight. Nadia, hello. Hey, it's just me, which is so weird. Yeah, we we kicked Kyle out of the room for this one. He's got better things to do. Um, actually, I don't I don't think he would have had any interest in this conversation, but I knew you would. And uh, we were just talking about like right before I pressed record, we were talking about the weather because that's what you do uh, sometimes. But I I've been complaining on this podcast about winter for months now, and it has straight up gone right into summer here in Indianapolis. Like it is. Shorts, t-shirts, flip-flops, uh, cool shades, everything. It's it's it was like ninety degrees today. Um, I, I don't mind it. I, I'd like to have spring a little bit, but I, I'm cool with getting right into summer. Uh, have you? Has it been that that way in your neck of the woods, Nadia? Not at all. It's been actually incredibly windy, um, which has kind of sucked because uh, it's been cold, and I've had to wear a sweatshirt every day. Um, it's so weird because in new England it's like in the morning it feels like winter and then it kind of gradually turns into spring. Maybe it'll feel like a a June day and then it'll go back to winter like by, by five o'clock. Um, but yeah, it's been like so windy and chilly these past few days. It's kind of lame. Wicked cold. Um, and (laughs) maybe that explains why we're in different places coming into this conversation. I think tonight, cause I, uh, just like we talk about, I'm very seasonal when it comes to my music. And lately, the sun has been out, the windows have been rolled down, I've been turning up the stereo, and what's been playing has been Katy Perry. I just realized that the first time it starts to get like this, Katy Perry is an artist that I go to. And I, I also noticed in Time Hop recently, I've been like having Katy Perry moments, like specifically this time of year in years past. Like Time Hop has become a really weird indicator for me that I tend to get into things and listen to artists at very specific times, like not even like, Oh, within a month, I'm talking about like the same week that all of a sudden I'm randomly really listening to an artist a lot. I'm like, Oh, seven years ago, I was doing the same thing. Six years ago, I was doing the same thing. It's truly bizarre, but apparently this is a Katy Perry time of year for me. And we've not done a full Katy Perry deep dive on this podcast. And I excitedly texted you because I, I feel like you've written about Katy Perry for it's all dead more than any of us have. You included uh, Teenage Dream when we did our big end of the decade list. Um, I, I know you've written about some other stuff. And you, even when her last album uh, came out, we had been texting about it. So I, I knew you were a, a Katy Perry fan. Um, or so I thought things may have changed. But I reached out to you and I was like, we got to do a Katy Perry podcast. It's been like two years since she put out an album. Nothing's really happening, I don't think, Katy Perry-wise in the world. So when I texted you that, what was your initial reaction? Were you like, what What the hell? No, I, I feel like we always kind of come back to random artists um, to do the like the deep dives on. I think I just like like the weather. Whenever we whenever it strikes our fancy, we pick an artist and we go for it. Um, so <laughs> I, I right. guess I should have known Katy Perry was coming, but I think we should do Lady Gaga next. Um, <laughs> it could time. happen. I think I'll choose. Uh, yeah. So head of area code network which runs this uh it's the network that the this podcast you're listening to is on um we've had a a frequent guest uh, richard clark on this podcast and back in 2010 richard and i had some like really like friendly debates that turned into heated debates about Katy perry versus lady gaga they were both kind of having a moment and both of us took very staunch positions on different sides of that debate and i actually think i still i still like my side of the debate um we can get into that, but we're going to talk about all things Katy Perry tonight. We're going to do sort of a crash course in her history. We're going to rank her discography. Uh, this is one of those podcasts where we're just going to like go in deep. How do the albums stack up? What are the best songs uh, from her catalog? Um, and, and just kind of like j- share some general thoughts about literally one of the biggest pop stars of our lifetime. Uh, I think that's kind of inarguable at this moment. Um, but yeah, there's, a, I feel like there, I, the more that I, once I really started digging in and kind of like mapping out what this conversation would be, I, I realized there were like so many angles here and so many different directions we could go in. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but 
I think it's interesting because both you and I are familiar. And I, th- I think it's pretty well known at this point about her her time as an artist before she was known as Katy Perry. Um, she actually got her start as a Christian artist uh, under her actual name, Katie Hudson. And I, I remember back in the day, I, I think it was like right as she was starting to blow up, maybe around 2008, it was like, hey, she used to record under a different name and make very different music. And everybody was like looking into it. And I remember watching a music video on YouTube. Uh, I remember specifically, I don't remember what the song sounded like. I don't remember what the music sounded like. I just remember they were like in a room and Matt Thiessen was playing guitar. And I, I was with somebody and we're looking at it like, that's Matt Thiessen. Matt Thiessen and Katy Perry were like in a music video together. We didn't even know at that time that they had dated. Um, but it was like this weird, like worlds colliding type of moment. But you mentioned that in prep for this conversation, Nadia, you were going back and listening to the Katie Hudson material. Did you, do you know the video I'm talking about? I actually don't. I've never seen that one. I'll have to go search. We'll it have to see if we can track it down. It might be wiped from the internet, but it used to be out there. Um, but yeah, she started as a Christian artist. I haven't, it's literally been, you know, 15 years or however long it's been since I even listened to it. And I think I only listened to like a song or two. But you listened to it recently. Tell us about Katie Hudson in two thousand one. What what did that sound like, and how did that how did your brain process that as you've been doing your own Katy Perry deep dive and with her music lately? Yeah, so I listened to it less than an hour ago, um, <laughs> as you do, as you do when you uh, do a Katy Perry podcast. Um, but yeah, I had heard about it. I think you can only find it on YouTube. It's not on any of the streaming services from what I could find. Um, probably because she doesn't want people to hear it. Um, but sure. I, it's not good. But like for the time, you kind of, I think I understand where she was coming from. Um, I think she was kind of trying to be uh, um, like a Britney Spears, Kelly Clarkson, that kind of vibe. Uh, maybe even a little bit like an Avril Lavigne, Evanescence kind of deal. Um, oh, and. I mean, I think it worked for her. It just didn't work for her, like from a professional standpoint. Um, I think vocally right. she lands well there. Um, like it's very un, like it's a very unproduced album. Like it's just kind of a one-off thing where it's just you know a bunch of random people got together and said, "I guess we'll record this." Um, so it's not polished in any way. But I think it's uh, I think it showcases her vocals really well. Um, and it's definitely like a, a time capsule of the uh, early 2000s, especially in Christian music. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, the most fascinating fact I found while I was researching this was that she was on a POD song, which I literally did not remember at all. And apparently when they performed that song on, on Jay Leno, uh, the Tonight Show, she was she performed with them. <laughs> so that's another video I need to see if I can track down. Uh, that one really caught me by surprise. But I mean, definitely early on, she's trying to like carve her way into like the CCM music scene. And everything that we know from that time is a pretty hard pivot in a very different direction. But I think a recurring theme as we kind of talk about Katy Perry tonight will be that, you know, people do contain multitudes. And I've always felt like, I mean, I, I don't think I'm wrong when I'm saying that, like, I think there's still like a faith-based element to her at times i feel like it's come out in really unexpected ways in her music through the years even though it's blatantly not <laughs> to be confused with something you'd buy at a christian bookstore at all quite the opposite but i i feel like there's something there still that she kind of like took with her um and of course who knows but the you know she ha- she puts out this album in 2001 it does nothing really uh from from what i can find um, and obviously that it's there's almost nothing out there that um, you can still get to to experience it. But after that time, I mean, clearly she's there's talent and somebody saw that multiple people saw that she uh, shortly after that decides to take on the stage name, Katy Perry. And she begins working with Glenn Ballard, who uh, worked with Alanis Morissette on Jagged Little Pill and goes through this period of like several years where she's working with different writers, different producers. She actually recorded an entire album uh, that was completely scrapped and never came out. Um, another thing I didn't know, I think it was called The Matrix or something like that. But there's like this weird, it, it wasn't like straight from Katie Hudson to Katy Perry. There was like a, a pretty long stretch where it feels like she was trying to figure out who she was going to be as an artist. Like what, Nadia, what do you have that that you found about her during this time period? Um, yeah, so I did find the POD video. 
Oh. Um, so not only did they perform that on Jay Leno, um, whenever that was a thing, um, she performed with them. They did it live a couple of times. There's a live video of it. Um, and then she was in the actual music video too. Really? Yeah. So if this you go so like, crazy. she's right at the end of the music video, she's barely there. Um, but it's just like this very small young Katy Perry and Sonny Sandoval, which is such a weird mix to see, like knowing <laughs> no what you kidding. know. Um, yeah. But yeah, so actually I found an interview that uh, Sonny did with, I think, like some some newspaper even. Like it was such an old YouTube video. Um, it was like some publications first foray into, you know, doing digital media, definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he said that he didn't even realize that she was in the Christian sphere at that point when they had picked her to do the vocals. Um Testify, which is the album that that song is on, came out in 2006, and Glenn Ballard actually produced it. So they were looking oh. for like somebody to ah. add into the mix, and he said, "I've got the perfect person," that and that's how that find. happened. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, clearly there were people in her corner that were kind of fighting for her voice to be heard. Because I mean, it's not abnormal that like somebody puts out an album it doesn't do well and then it's just kind of over or maybe there's a couple tries but it doesn't go anywhere i mean this period it, you don't like put out an album 2001 that does nothing and then reemerge like seven years later and start to become a star like that that sort of interim period i feel like is so integral to this whole thing even though there's like just little nuggets that we know about what was happening during that time period. But there's a, like a version of this where we probably never hear or experience Katy Perry in the way that we know her. So the fact that it was all just kind of like simmering during that time. And there were people like Glenn Ballard that were still kind of like fighting to, you know, find a way for this to work is really fascinating to think about. At least I think so. Yeah, definitely. And actually in my like Wikipedia research and stuff like that, um, I found out that she's actually related to Frank Perry, who is like an Oscar nominated director. Um, so I don't want to say like, you know, mm. hashtag nepotism, but kind sure. of like she definitely has some connections in that like corner of the world. Um, yeah. Media. Well, nevertheless, I, I mean, there's this period of time where like she's just kind of there showing up in the background. Nobody really knows her. But then. 2007, 2008 come along and everything changes. Um, she puts out her first album, One of the Boys. And really, I Kissed a Girl was like the moment for her that kind of changed everything. And it's weird to think, like I, I was thinking today, like, you know, I mean, this song, like if it comes out today is really not that big of a deal. But it's crazy to think that just in 2008, it was what it was. I mean, that was, you know, we did the, uh, Evan Saudi was on the pod. Um, I can't remember whether we did this one earlier this year or last year, the about outrage being back in terms of music. And I kissed a girl was such a moment uh, in pop culture history, at least in my mind, the way I'm remembering it. And it not only put on a map as an artist, but it like really started this entire conversation of what like LGBTQ topics were going to look like in a, a completely new era. Um, take me back, Nadia, where were you in 2008? You were, you were probably a lot younger, but do you like have a memory of, of the song coming out and suddenly realizing like, Hey, Katy Perry is a person that is now like in my life as a music figure. Uh, so I definitely wasn't allowed to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do remember when hot and cold was released as a single, and that was the one for me that I was like, okay, like this is kind of a jam. Um, but yeah, like I didn't hear I Kissed a Girl until a while later. I, I can't remember, quite frankly, it didn't really leave an impact on me like the way it would have for like you guys when you were listening to music as like an adult um, or like a late teen. But yeah, um, I don't know. I Kissed a Girl was never my thing. But you know, you're, so what you're saying is your parents would have been fine with Katie Hudson, but not not Katy Perry. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Actually, what's funny is um, I was listening to it today and I realized I have this album. It's by this random band. It's They were called Kadia. They were together from 2008 to like 2010, like barely a thing. And they released one album and the first song on the Katie Hudson album sounds almost exactly like the song on this album. And it was released like three years later. Weird. Like it was so weird. It was such a like, oh, they really were trying to find like that kind of voice for young Christian girls and they just never could get it. 
Yeah. Like it was just one of those weird things that I like that registered in my brain. Um, but yeah, like she really crossed over big time. Um, yeah. So I wasn't allowed it, to listen to Katy Perry. <laughs> <laughs> well, there were a string of hits during this time, but even before some of this started to pop, the thing that I remember most, my actually, I, I should say my first Katy Perry moment was at uh, Warp Tour in 2008. Uh, this is a crazy fun thing. Again, I feel like most people are aware of this now, but in 2008, like she was on Warp Tour and not the main stage. Like I, I specifically remember it's like one of those side stages, not like the like the tiny one, like who is this type of stage, but like a, a stage that's not the main stage. And I remember her playing and it was a modest crowd. There wasn't like a big crowd or anything. And when you think about like the stuff that sort of defined Warp Tour 2008, um, like I remember, you know, Gym Class Heroes were one of the headliners that year and she was, I believe, dating Travi McCoy at that time. So you had that um, all time low, say anything. I'm just trying to like rattle off the the names of bands that I remember the Academy is. But like then you had Katy Perry and it's like so interesting to think about like how they saw her fitting into that. And I think it I think it kind of could have worked. But something happened during that period once the, some of these songs started to pop that it was like, oh, this isn't the kind of circuit that Carrie Perry is going to operate on. She's going to be like a superstar. And it happened like really, really fast. And, you know, I mean, that's, I guess that's how it goes sometimes. But I just remember that moment of like, she was just on warp tour. And now like, she's the person that like, everybody's freaking talking about. Um, So from I kissed a girl to hot and cold to you're so gay, a song that admittedly doesn't hold up. Well, there there were, she was starting to have these moments where you could feel like, okay, I think something might happen with this. And then, of course, it did happen uh, just a few years later with, with Teenage Dream. But what are your, Nadia, I know you weren't obviously at Warp Tour in 2008, but I'm assuming that's a fact that you know. What are, I mean, again, it's like one of those weird moments where it's like, if Katy Perry doesn't pop in the way she did, does she like end up being a scene artist somehow? Like, how does that play out? But um, what are your, I don't know, what can you tell us from your perspective during that time that that you think about with her yeah sure so i found the set list from that tour if you are interested oh, um because I of course i did interested. um so it was the hurley stage um in ah, case you're wondering yeah. and she did fingerprints uh one of the boys if you can afford me hot and cold you're so gay waking up in vegas and then she finished with i kissed a girl um that was it six songs and they're all from one of the boys like it's not well it's actually from yeah. fingerprints which is like something that she released, I think, before one of the boys, which I found when I was looking at the genius list. Um, I, I did a real deep dive. There are a lot of things happening with me and Katy Perry right now. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for looking that up. The Hurley Absolutely. stage. Absolutely. Anytime. You forget the Hurley stage. Uh, Clearly. Man, those everybody. were the days. Yeah. Did you know the Academy is, is back? I know you just mentioned them. They just announced today that they're back. Wait, they're back? Well, they're playing for Riot Rosies. Fest. But they're, yeah, for Rosies. They're not back back right it says we're back that's all it said all i right. thought maybe you'd be interested <laughs> um but I'm yeah king perry is just you know one of the boys <laughs> so one of the boys goes and leads into teenage dream i'm going to talk about uh something specific to that once we get a little later on the podcast and we're we're giving our top songs but teenage dream happens and then it's just like game over Katy perry literally takes over the world for like two years there's seven singles from that album. Uh, five of them reach number one. Literally only Michael Jackson is the only other person to do that ever. Um, and it, it, the the crazy thing about Teenage Dream is like, no matter how you feel about Katy Perry, no matter how you feel about the songwriting, because there's no, this is the interesting thing that you know we can talk about. There's no critically acclaimed Katy Perry album. Like they're all pretty, like it's from a critical perspective, it's, her best albums are lukewarm, warmly received at best. But the formula with which she was operating at that time and what she was crafting were, was literally perfect pop music in a sense that it could be mass consumed in a way that so little music can. I mean, pop music is obviously about being popular and consumed by masses. But what Katy Perry, what was happening with Teenage Dream was just literally on another level. Like the formula with which she was working, it almost didn't matter what she did. It was going to be something that was huge. 
Um, and you can, you can feel about that however you want. I mean, obviously there's a, a clear response to be like, well, it's not good music, no matter how popular it is. And I think that's fair, but I also think there's something to just how fascinating it is to create something that can so resonate with so many people across so many places and communities and demographics. And that's something that there's very few albums like Teenage Dream that sort of like thread that needle and just crack into a completely different stratosphere. And I, I know that you've written about Teenage Dream a couple of times for um, It's All Dead. So I want you to take me back to where you were with that album and what uh, I, guess, I guess what you think about what you thought about the album at a former time in your life and what it means now when you listen to it. Yeah, of course. So back when it came out, again, still not allowed to listen to it. Um, <laughs> but I heard it here and there, obviously, because, you know, you're at the store or whatever. And like you said, she literally was everywhere. Like you literally couldn't get away from Teenage Dream, like the song itself. Yeah. Um, I remember being in a restaurant with a friend and they had like a music video playlist on and it was the Teenage Dream video. And that was the first time I saw the video. And I was like shocked at how inappropriate it was and like that it was being played in public. Um, Wait, is it inappropriate? They're yeah, like wicked. riding in a car or something, aren't they? Oh, they're definitely riding in a car, Kyle. Is there other definitely. stuff happening? <laughs> I yeah, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> I watched all of her, almost all of her music videos last night. Um, but yeah, there are definitely there are things are happening there. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I was like shocked that they would play again. This is what two thousand eight, maybe two thousand nine, uh, height of my, you know, Christian teenage years, where I still had some standards. I guess we could call it. <laughs> um, I was like, wow, what a scandalous. what a scandalous video to be playing in the Buffalo Wild Wings or whatever it was. <laughs> I don't even remember where I was, but I remember I was with a friend and I like was facing the tv and she like i was like watching it like what what is going on here and she was turning around and like watching it with me and she was like wow we shouldn't be watching that kind of stuff it's like really bad for our our hearts and our minds <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so that's yeah like that's crazy. like basically my initial Katy perry response um but you came like, around oh, on it. like there was I a, really there did something that happened i don't know what it was kyle like so Obviously, we all know that I was a little emo kid, okay, when I was in high school. And I was definitely too cool for Katy Perry when that album came out. But, like, now I listen to it and I'm like, what What was I – why was I missing out on this? Like, it yeah. really is – it really is the perfect pop album. And it just took me getting out of my own way to, like, really see um, that she, she's got a – she's got a good set of tunes. Like, I, that's a, that's all there is to it. My, my teenage dream moment. And I, I think I've shared this on the podcast at some point in the past. If I haven't, uh, here it is again, or here it is for the first time. But, um, I was, so I, the summer of 2010, when the album came out, I was going through a divorce and it was very sad. <laughs> it was not a happy time of life. And, uh, my parents, I was living in Louisville, Kentucky at the time. My parents came from Kansas to visit. Cause it was like, uh Oh, Kyle's in a bad place. We better make sure that it's not too bad. Uh, so it's a summer day and we're playing mini golf, you know, and it's like the sun's shining. It's summertime. The the balls that you're the golf balls are colorful. You know, everything's happy. I'm like fighting off tears playing mini golf with my parents and California girls came over the this, the radio and the, at the mini golf course. And it was the first time I'd heard the song and it's like this most bubblegum pop song you've ever heard and like so i'm like completely surrounded like sensory overload with like happiness while feeling like so sad that i want to just like lay down and cry <laughs> and for whatever reason that's like the defining moment of my uh my divorce journey because i uh w was Katy perry and snoop dogg and, and california girls so I, I don't think i'll ever forget that moment as dumb as it is um but enough about me the I, I think the point for me when I think back of this album and its legacy is that you had this, there was Lady Gaga, Kesha, there was this moment in which pop music completely decided to like turn it to 11 and go over the top with like glitzy, like showtime, explosive, confetti, glitter pop. I don't really know, even know how to describe it. But like that, does that line up with kind of how you feel about that period of time, Nadia? 
Yeah, you just called it glam. Yeah, absolutely. Glam pop is definitely what it's called. Um, yeah, like those are a lot of the songs that, again, I, I wasn't really listening to at the time. But as I've gone back and looked at the 2010s, like those mid-2000s, um, really have fallen in love with the genre. I don't know. There's something about it that never like fails to make me feel better about whatever is going on. Um, and it's just one of those easy things. Like if I'll, if I'll hear something on the radio and it's Katy Perry, like I won't turn it off. Like, you know what I mean? I just, I don't mm-hmm. know. There's something so um, like, I don't, I don't really know. Like, I don't know the term. Like it's like looking back at a Polaroid of like the early to mid two thousands and just feeling better about what was going on, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just one of those weird things that, kind of sticks with you as like it's not like it was in the background but it became like becomes the foreground you know what i mean yeah that's that's a really interesting way of putting it um and it and it just kind of like we mentioned with with teenage dream it just kind of lasted like for two years straight where she just like dominated everything there was the super bowl performance and left shark um there there were all these like kind of touchstone moments that she seemed to be um just present for and of course, Teenage Dream leads into Prism, which comes out in 2013. Um, and, and I'm going to talk about this album more when we when we rank them. But I I love Prism, and and there were a lot. Of, I mean, a, again, another album that's just full of songs that were hits on the radio. Um, you had Roar and Unconditional. I, I mean, it was just it was another one of those albums where you're like, is Katy Perry just going to release albums that have number one singles like? for the end of time. But what we didn't know is that this was kind of the beginning of the end in terms of her stranglehold uh, on popular music. Where, where are you at when Prism comes out and what was your relationship with that album? 2015. Is that 2015, 2013? 2013. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking, um, I don't think I, I remember not liking Prism when it came out. I remember not liking the singles. Um, Like it, it didn't, it didn't hit me the same way Teenage Dream did. Um, like I turned off Roar when it came on the radio, stuff like that. Um, but I don't know. I still I feel like I haven't totally come around to the singles. But as a whole, I do like that album when I was listening to it like this past week. Um, I was enjoying it. And I wondered why I didn't listen to the whole thing more when it did come out. Um, but I think it really was just Roar that set me off because Unconditional is a great single. And so is Dark Horse. Um, but oh, yeah. I think Roar was one of the ones that like really kind of turned me off i was like i think this is too far too far onto the uh into the pop spectrum for me um i mean i i didn't want to like it when it came out but didn't realize that i actually liked it until later and i remember uh there was a record store day around this time and uh that day this album got pressed as a double vinyl that was picture disc and uh my wife jen was with me at the record store and i'm like buying like these cool like indie records or whatever and she uh decides to buy that one and i remember like oh everybody's gonna look at us and think we're lame because we're getting this Katy perry album but now it's actually like one of my favorite vinyls because it's like so cool the the double picture disc and also i've just fallen in love with that album over time like i I remember us coming home and and jen playing that and i was like oh i actually like this um and that has not changed i still love that album um, but like I mentioned, it was kind of like this beginning of the end sort of moment. Uh, we go into Witness in, in 2017. So there's a pretty big gap between that and the next thing. And Witness, when I think about it, I kind of like uh, I think about Taylor Swift, I guess, because both of them sort of put out these angry kind of records. Both of them were kind of in a feud at the time. And even though like Reputation wasn't like received super great. Uh, and isn't going to be a Taylor Swift album that I think stands the test of time like a lot of her stuff was. Witness was like almost a mirror of that, but not in a way that's going to resonate. It didn't really resonate in the moment. And it, it's just kind of, it marked the time where it's like, it doesn't feel like Katy Perry, like she's lost her fastball. Like she doesn't, she's not, she doesn't have that song anymore. There wasn't that moment, let alone five or six moments like she'd had previously. And that just kind of like created this, thing where it's like there was just this general acceptance that like the best of Katy Perry was in the past and who knows I mean she's you know she put out Smile uh, in 2020 that um, definitely had some moments to it but I don't know do you feel that like coming off of prison that we started going down the other side of the Katy Perry hill so to speak yeah that's when I kind of I don't want to say stopped hearing about her but kind of stopped paying attention to what everybody was saying um like I 
for a while, I don't think I even realized she was releasing an album until the song that she did with Nicki Minaj came out. And then I listened to it and I was like, oh, no, like what? What are we doing here? Um, and actually, when I listened to it, Switch Switch was actually one of the better songs. Um, <laughs> one of the ones that I ended up kind of being like, OK, fair enough. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's one of those albums that I don't think. It, first of all, it's 17 songs long. Yeah. Um, so, that's and that's not even a deluxe edition. Like that's the whole thing is 17 <laughs> songs long. And yeah. then there's a target edition on top of it. Um, and then it also includes the worst Katy Perry song ever created, which is Bon Appetit. Um, <laughs> and I just, I don't know that one. I don't think I'll be returning. Um, but yeah, no, that's definitely the same point in time where I said, I don't know if this is, uh, this is going so hot for her anymore. Yeah. Well, I think it, there's. We're, I'm going to save the legacy conversation for a little bit later because we need to start ranking the albums. Uh, we're 30 minutes in, but I, um, I, I still see like another act to her career being fully possible, like where she trans transforms into just a a completely different artist. Like I could almost, you know, I'm not making a comparison anyway to like Casey Musgraves, but I could almost see her just kind of like moving gently into a completely different style of music because she's still got an incredible voice. Uh, she's still got incredible people around her that are very skilled at making good music. And she herself, I still think, is a, a really great artist. So I I, I look forward to, uh, I guess, a hope that um, there's more to come from Katy Perry that's going to be really interesting. Um, but I'm going to put a pin in that. We're going to stop now. And I think now that we've talked about the albums, it's time to rank them. Um, so we're, we're not doing Katie Hudson. We're just going to rank the five... Uh, Katy Perry studio albums. Um, Nadia, what do you think? Do you want to start on this? Sure. From five to one. Um, This is very easy, and I'm going to say probably very predictable, Um, which sometimes I feel like I'm not predictable. Sometimes I I can be. Um, So I'm just going to go nice and quick. Obviously, number one for me is Teenage Dream. We remember this um, mm-hmm. as you know my favorite Katy Perry album from earlier. Um, I'm going to say One of the Boys is next. Uh, I really like yeah. the kind of rock poppier sound that she came up with, even if some of the lyrical content doesn't uh, like kind of stick with me anymore. Um, but I do think that there are a lot of great songs on that album, too. Um, number three for me is Prism. Number four is Smile. And then number five is Witness. Obviously, we just talked about that. Yeah. So, um, okay. So you had Prism at three, Smile at four. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah. So our bottom two are going to be the same. I had Witness at five. Um, I, I still remember listening to it the first time and just being like, oh, I this is not, this isn't my thing. I don't really need this or want this, which was a weird feeling to kind of admit to myself, uh, considering how much of a defender and fan I'd been of Katy Perry before. Um, and I've got Smile at Four as well, just because it, it was a little bit of a rebound from Witness and it had some really interesting moments, but it's still just not that upper echelon Katy Perry um, that we'd had. Number three is one of the boys. Um, still, I mean, it, you know, the things that don't hold up don't hold up, but then there's a lot of things that do hold up really well. And obviously, there were moments that were really important moments in popular music and pop culture um, and, and just the culture at large. So um, I think that album still deserves its due. And then number two, I've got Teenage Dream uh, and I've got Prism at number one because I, I can hear the argument for both of them. And I'll admit that Teenage Dream is going to be like the signature album of hers, like as time goes on. But for me, Prism has just become such a comfort album for me. Like I just, I, I can't poke a lot of holes in it. Um, there's, there's a few spots on Teenage Dream where I can pretty easily skip, but when I listen to Prism, I want to listen to the whole thing. And I feel like it's a really, just a really great body of work. So um, that's what I've got at number one. Um, so I, I did top 10 songs. I'm assuming you did as well, Nadia, right? I did. Okay. So let's do that. Um, take us through your list and start with number 10 and work your way up uh, to number one. All right. So number 10 is going to be International Smile from Prism. Hey. I know. I was shocked by that one, too. As I was going through them all, I was like, no, this is this is definitely one of them. Like, this is definitely there. Oh, yeah. Um, Number nine is Hummingbird Heartbeat. Uh, Aside from the wild sexual innuendo, great jam. 
<laughs> yes, you can say that <laughs> like, about like literally every like song. literally any Katy Perry song. It's Aside like I, from the sexual in your <laughs> I almost wanted to like start the podcast off by being like, how many sexual innuendos can we fit into this podcast in honor of Katy Perry? <laughs> like because yeah, I don't know if we could out so here. many. Um, number form. yeah, definitely number eight is Dark Horse. Um, we listen to the kids' bop version at the office because I work in <laughs> pediatrics. Um, and I kind of forgot how the real one went. Um, and I did forget about the eat your heart out, like Jeffrey Dahmer line. Uh, um, that was fun. That was a fun thing to recall. No, believe it or not, it did not. Um, number seven is Pearl, which is from Teenage Dream. I love that song. Mm. Um, I like every time I, the album comes through, it like makes me tear up. Um, it's a special one. Number six is hot and cold. That's obviously from one of the boys. Yep. Um, and then number, I think I'm at five. Thinking of you from one of the boys is up there too for me. Okay. Um, and I love the video for that one. I watched that a little while ago <laughs> during dinner. <laughs> um, number five. Yeah, I guess I'm really, I didn't number these, so I don't know where You're I'm at. Number four now. Um, number four. Yes. Um, then I had 11 songs. Oops. Uh-oh. That's fine. <laughs> Oops. Uh, Wide Awake, which is from the Complete Confection edition yeah. of Teenage Dream. Um, one of my favorite singles she's ever put out. I don't know why that one wasn't on the album, um, but I'm glad it made that like set like set of B-sides. Yeah. Um, Circle the Drain from Teenage Dream. Just a real heart-hitting track. Um, yeah. Really that's about, cut and dry. It's about Travi, right? I think so. I, I didn't do too much research. It could have been about any of them, to be honest, um, except for maybe Matt Thiessen. I heard that he cheated on her, but that's alleged. Maddie, um, come on. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> like, <laughs> we got to get you on the podcast. and Seriously. Uh, number three is Waking Up in Vegas. Again, just one of those... Nice. One of those jams, man. I uh, thought I was going to have some hot takes, and no, like, we we've got a lot of the same. Really, songs. I'm. Yeah. I felt bad because I I I knew a lot of them were like the singles that she's put out, but again, it's like they're so pervasive that you literally yeah, can't right. get away from them. Uh-huh. Um, they really did do a good job of choosing singles from the albums. Uh, I do have to hand it to them. Number two, and I think this is going to be the most surprising one. This is E.T., which is from okay. Teenage Dream. I literally yeah. am obsessed with that song. It comes on. Song. I'm like, absolutely. That's staying on. We're turning it up. And then number one, which I'm really sorry about, is the one that got away, which is from Teenage Dream. Uh-huh. I don't want to make you okay. sad, but I love that song so much. Yeah, That's a great Special. list. I Thank I you. was ready to have some really hot takes. And you, the ones that I thought were going to be hot takes made your list. So that's incredible. I feel like I don't have to defend them as hard. No, you never have to you. defend anything. I was. I was the same as you where I felt like I was pulling from a lot of singles, but it's like when she has albums where like over half the albums were like released as singles. It's like, what are you supposed to do? Like um, it kind of is what it is. And I usually, I usually end up out thinking myself when we do these podcasts and I'm always like thinking about, I'm trying to figure out like what's true or what I want to be true because I want it to sound cool when I talk about it on the podcast. This one, I just threw my inhibitions to the wind and was like, I'm just going to, the ones that I like and I think are fun, those are getting on the list. And so, good for uh, you. yeah, good for me. Big steps forward, Kyle. Number 10 uh, is Swish Swish. You know, we talked about it a minute ago. I, I think it's, you know, for what witnesses, it's about, probably as good as it gets from that album. And I felt like with five albums, I needed to represent every album on here. So just by that fact, it, it kind of made the snuck in at the end at number 10 at number nine, I had ET. This is not a song I expected would be one that you're a fan of, but I, I really am too. And it's so unique and different. That was kind of the cool thing about teenage dream is that it wasn't like the same trick over and over again. Like she did some really interesting stuff. And this is just an example of a song you hear it and you're like, this shouldn't work, but it, it really does. Um, by the way, things that don't work, Yellow Card back in the day covered E.T. They did like an acoustic cover of it, which I remember when I heard about it. I was like, oh, this would be cool. And then it was like literally the worst thing. Was that I've for like heard. Pop Goes Acoustic or something? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, but nice try, Yellow Card. I love you guys. But that, that one didn't work. Um, number eight is Spiritual, which is a B-side from Prism. And it just kind of like has this smooth vibe to it. It's almost like kind of a... 80s inspired type track which of course is gonna uh check a box for me um but yeah it's a i never hear anybody talk about the song it definitely wasn't a single but i I love it 
Uh, number seven is unconditionally. Um, it's just so powerful and uplifting. Like, you know, again, if you don't like Katy Perry's music or you think she's a throwaway pop artist, she has got a killer voice and songs like unconditionally, like really show off what she's capable of. Like she's a great singer. Um, and I, I think that's worth, worth acknowledging same for number six and daisies, um, a song from smile that is, is my favorite. And I, I kind of thought when it came out that it was going to be bigger than it was. And it was such like a, it almost felt like a growing up sort of moment for Katy Perry, where she was just in a different stage of life. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. I just think it's a really cool song. So um, that's on there at number six. Um, and then number five, I've got Last Friday Night, TGIF. Uh, probably my favorite music video of all of hers. I, I don't know if I've thought about it that hard, but I, I do think that music video is kind of fun. And it was like a Kenny G resurgence moment too, because he shows up in the video. Uh, funny footnote in the Kenny G career. Number four is Teenage Dream. That song is just a jam. Uh, I remember hanging out with some people late one night and this guy pulls out his guitar and starts strumming it and playing Teenage Dream. And it was just like the the entire room was just like singing along. And it's a great song. Uh, number three, Waking Up in Vegas. I was so happy to hear that Make Your List, Nadia. And the cool thing about this song is that it's the first one of hers that I really liked. And it came right at the end of the run um, of singles from one of the boys. And it felt like it was a gateway into what was going to come next like you when you hear teenage dream now and you think back to like that waking up in vegas was like opening this door into like craziness and filth and partying and just madness that was like literally her stepping into what was going to happen over the next few years and so because of that i think it's just kind of a cool connecting moment number two international smile i lit up when you said that was on your list nadia it is such a good song like that song is so freaking good another song that wasn't even a single from prism but it's just it, it's incredible um and then number one this is the one that i i was worried about because i was like this song is like kind of cheesy it kind of i mean you could argue that it's not even that interesting or something but wide awake man i just love it every time it comes on i'm not i'm not skipping i'm not changing the channel not touching the dial uh, I'm going to sing along because I, <laughs> I freaking love that song. So I was glad to hear that made, made your list as well. Um, so yeah, there you go. Nadia, my big three, Wide Awake, International Smile, Wake Up in Vegas, made your list. And I was not Absolutely. expecting that to happen. Really? Yeah. We always surprise each other, whether it's actually surprising or if we're being normal. Like, I, I feel like we're never <laughs> we're never on like ready to be on the same page. Um, but yeah, like she really does have a very strong catalog. Um, and international smile would have been higher if it wasn't for just like the rest of her career. Right. Um, for me, like I cut TGIF and that was in there. Um, I like, I cut a bunch of them and I didn't want to, but I had to because she's just too good. Yep. So yeah. Um, we kind of touched on this a little bit of like, one of the things about Katy Perry is like the high profile relationships. Uh, I wouldn't call Matt Thiessen high profile, but he, he was there. Travi McCoy, Russell Brand, obviously that that marriage and the fallout from that is covered in a lot of her music. There was a John Mayer uh, stretch there for a while. And then obviously now Orlando Bloom, uh, who she's married to. It's hard to disconnect some of those figures from her because her music, um, you know, whether she's addressed it, specifically or not and i know in some cases she has but it definitely explores uh the dynamics of all of that and so um it's just like an inextricable piece of um who what her art is um i, I was trying to like put down some notes and thinking about like her legacy and you know what we talk about now what we thought about in the moment what we didn't think about um i i think the her she was really vocal um, in terms of LGBTQ rights um, and feminism, she, you know, for if you want to say that her like music formula was simple or her music was just kind of like throwaway pop music or whatever, you again, fine. But I do think that she had a real voice about like social issues. Like she was, um, she didn't shy away from where she stood about things and that she was kind of, kind of like own 
who she was, even if some people weren't into it or if some people thought it was too much or if some people thought that um, things about her music were inappropriate. She really leaned into this angle of like what it's like to fully be a woman and the woman that she wanted to be in her music. I don't, I don't think that um, you can argue that that's not like a really key piece, especially when she was at the height of her powers. Am I like overselling that or does that feel fair? No, it feels fair. Um, I think what's funny is we talk about her having like so many smash hits and a lot of those singles don't have any substance, but even on witness, like a lot of those songs really do. And I feel like a lot of those don't get to see the light of day. Um, but like in my list, Pearl, like she talks so much about like, you know, caring for yourself and, and loving yourself as a woman and like being walked all over by people in society, you know, whether it's men, women, whoever it is. Um, but she like, that's a real hallmark throughout her discography as well. She has a lot of songs that are like, um, kind of talking about rising above a lot of the things that either she's gone through or, um, she has seen friends or, you know, fans or family members go through. Um, so I think that she has a lot more substance to her than any of us want to give her credit for. Um, but I think that's one of the reasons she stood the test of time as well, because she really does have like some truth behind what she's trying to say. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about the Katie versus Taylor thing. Is that over now? Is that feud done? I Do think we know? so. Yeah. I can look Seems it up I, if you want. <laughs> it either fizzled out or they, they squashed the beef, but that was definitely a thing there for a while. Um, I put down here an artist who evolved very clearly over the course, course of her albums in really interesting ways. And I, I guess how I would define that when I was uh, listening to smile and even thinking about a song like daisies, which is kind of like really, I don't, you know, I think it coincided with like her, um, having her first child, I think. Um, and it, it talks a lot about kind of like, you know, owning who you are even in the midst of adversity and all the things that she's been through in her career. I think there's a real interesting arc of her maturity, both as an artist and as a human over the course of her music. And and that's why I feel bad about kind of sliding some of the later albums. Cause smile is an album that I'm sliding in terms of how much I like the music, but I think that there's like really important moments there that kind of signify the evolution of Katy Perry. And uh, a few years ago when, uh, MXPX put out their self-titled album. We did a podcast again, Richard Clark came on and we talked about this of like watching this band go through like their teenage years and um, kind of like grow up into artists. And now they're writing songs about like having families and (laughs) all this stuff. And it's like, there's, I think there's that aspect there for Katy Perry. And that's why I say, I feel like there's still more to come from her. There might be a, a a whole different act that's going to completely explore life for her now. And in ways that uh, I, I still think she could have, that critically acclaimed album that's kind of eluded her even with all of the success that she's had. Do you, do you feel like she, there's still something left with her, even if it's not a teenage dream type moment, that it might be a moment that is more fully realizing uh, Katy Perry as the, as a adult, a human and an artist. Yeah. I think um, I was kind of hoping to use a a corporate America term that we would circle back to this. Um, (laughs) But I think What's interesting on Smile is you do start to hear a lot more of like that like gospel faith-based influence. And I almost wonder if she's going to come back around and do like a softer album that is, I mean, I don't want to say like family friendly, like, because I guess that's not like the right term for it. Um, But that is kind of a more like down to earth based at home kind of deal. Like she's done with the partying and wants to kind of move on with that phase of her life now that she's got a child and, you know, like a stable marriage. Um, And so I think that'll be interesting to see. I I think that's what we're going to get next. Um, We, she's talked a lot about smile when it came out being um, like an album that she released for herself. Um, It's Mm -hmm. not necessarily something that she really like, did just because it was time to put out another album. Like she had really taken that hiatus, you know, she took some time off to focus on her family and stuff like that. And I think um, with smile, you kind of see her coming back to her roots. Um, And so I do wonder if she will end up kind of coming back to not, maybe not like straight up Christian music, but um, something that I think is a little bit softer and, you know, a little bit closer to the heart. Yeah, 
Well, I, I'm excited to see uh, what comes next. I'm always going to listen to new Katy Perry music when it comes out, um, even if it never catches me like some of those moments did. But she is literally one of the most undeniably huge mega stars, um, not only of our generation, but of any generation. Like I mentioned, the you know the five songs reaching number one from Teenage Dream, only Michael Jackson has done that. Um, you know, she's not going to be you know, I think as time passes, like in the Adele Taylor Swift type category that have had like longer stretches. Um, and I'm trying to remember Evan Saudi who, who comes on this podcast has a, uh, a phrase that he specifically talks about of like a, an era of an artist's um, time where they're at the height of not only their artistic creation, but also at the height of the zeitgeist. And that, that stretch of time can tell us something about the artist. I think Katy Perry's, even though it was pretty long, it felt long in the moment as time passes, it's going to feel shorter. But in that short period of time, what she did uh, was as big and as huge as like anybody has ever done. Um, So that's why I think uh, she's uh, just such a a fascinating figure. Um, Yeah. So yeah, I guess that's how I'll wrap up. Yeah, let's do it. Um, Were you going to share another thing? Yeah, I was just going to say... that when I was listening to them, I didn't realize she only had five albums. Um, like, cause it, again, you say it feels like she's had such a long career. Um, to really only have five full lengths is kind of a lot like to take in because you feel like she did so much more. Right. Um, but I think it kind of speaks to like the intentionality of her releases. Um, and the fact that she has like finally like taken full control of her career from being, you know, the girl who was kind of forced to release a Christian album because her parents were pastors to somebody who truly does like know what they want to release and have like full artistic control over it. Yeah. That's perfect. Perfect way to wrap it all up. Uh, Nadia, this has been fun. Thank you for coming on and and talking about Katy Perry for um, about an hour here. That was a blast. Um, If you like this podcast, please subscribe or tell a friend about it. That that's what I want you to do. Uh, text your best friend, send them a link to our podcasts, whatever you choose, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, wherever you listen to shows. Um, share it with, uh, with somebody you know that might get a kick out of these conversations. Um, and as always, come visit us at itsalldead.com. That's going to do it for the show tonight. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Kyle Hawk, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Long Live the Music. If you like our show, come find us on Twitter and Facebook at It's All Dead. And of course, come visit our website, itsalldead.com.